0: Well, good evening. I want to welcome you to our Good Friday service. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here, and uh, uh, we've already prayed a a little bit today, but um, I want to pray again and prepare our hearts to look at the cross. Uh, we heard a lot of scripture in this video. We heard a lot of scripture in the song. We we sung a lot of scripture tonight. We're going to look at God's word and his written word. And I would just encourage you. I know it takes a lot to get downtown. I know you came from work, many of you, and school, and maybe distractions. And, and we have kids in here, kids, we love it that you are in here as well. And if we're not careful, we'll miss this moment. Uh, we'll, we'll sing some songs and, and do some traditions, and we'll miss the cross, which is why we're here to celebrate. So would you pray with me? Would you pray for your own heart? Uh, Would you take a moment of silence and do that now? And then I will pray for us as we get into God's word. Do that now. Father, I do pray for our time together for these next few moments. I pray that from kid to adult that we would would look at the cross and we would consider it and we would remember it and we would reflect upon it and see how it does affect our real lives. It affects the traffic on the way here. It affects our kids squirming around. It affects our very lives, our work, our families, it affects everything that we hold dear, everything that is important to us, everything that is, that is seen and unseen in our lives, it affects everything. So I pray for these men and women, I pray for myself that tonight we wouldn't miss it, that we would consider it anew, and that we would worship you in light of the cross. Father, help us to do that. Give us clear eyes to see what you see. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I do want to welcome you to Good Friday, and I know as I say Good Friday, many of you have heard of Good Friday. Many of you are familiar with Good Friday. Maybe you grew up going to Good Friday services, but I think for all of us, no matter your background in the church, this is a day where we all have to reconsider, like, why is it good, right? Have you said that today or this week at some point, like... Why do they call it Good Friday? I mean, we have a cross on stage so that you can see, and I don't know if you can read some of these words nailed to this cross, but anger, pride, addiction, laziness, murder, selfishness, adultery. This was nailed to a cross and Jesus was killed on it. Yet we call it good. In fact, even as I was leaving for tonight, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's in this room with us, she asked me, Daddy, why is it Good Friday? I mean, Jesus died on the cross. Like, why don't they call it Good Friday? And we're going to talk more about that, but the reality is, is Good Friday is a polarizing day. And Good Friday is a polarizing day because it's about a polarizing person. His name is Jesus Christ. But if you think about it in our culture, the name of Jesus alone brings about a variety of responses, doesn't it? Like, you bring up the name of Jesus, everything changes. Like, people pause, people say something back. It's a big, big deal when you say the name of Jesus. You talk about God, you can talk about the man upstairs, and nobody really pays attention. But you say Jesus, everybody perks up. And so, with your family and friends, maybe some of you did this this week, Family and friends you have that don't know Jesus, and you said, hey, I'm going to Good Friday service, I'm going to Easter service, would you come with me? And they looked at you, and maybe they didn't say anything, but they looked at you like, how cute, right? Like, you need that crutch, Jesus, to get by. That's so weak of you, right? Have you gotten those looks? Maybe somebody's even said that to you before. You think of saying the name of Jesus in your school, in your job, in our government, What happens? Immediately you're labeled as intolerant, right? You speak the name of Jesus and there's an extreme reaction over here against him. But what's crazy about it is there's also this extreme reaction over here in worship to him, right? That many across the world, depending on their time zone, not only tonight, but on Sunday, are gonna worship Jesus as the risen king, right? That many of you in this room, you showed up today, maybe not all of you, maybe some of you came because your spouse brought you, or your neighbor brought you, or a family member brought you, and that's fine, we love it that you're here, but, but some of you came because you want to celebrate, you want to reflect on Jesus, the name of Jesus, and all of that means for your life, that he's a friend of sinners, that he's full of grace and truth, that he is love perfected, that he is your Savior. And so while some mock Jesus, some praise Jesus, and listen, you need to know, that's not a new thing, right? It's always been that way, that last Sunday we celebrated what's called Palm Sunday, and we talked about that that means that people would lay out palm branches along the road in Jerusalem. They would lay them out on both sides, and you would do that for the entrance of a king, and they did that for Jesus. They declared Jesus as his entry into Jerusalem as a a triumphal entry as a king entry, king-like entry. And they declared that on Palm Sunday. But a few days later, they declared something quite different, and it was crucified. And so what we see is Good Friday is polarizing because Jesus is. And Jesus is polarizing, listen, because of the cross. That the king who should be worshiped, Instead, is crucified and mocked that the wrath of God and the love of God, they all converge upon the cross. That it is the worst day in human history because we killed God. But it's also the best day in human history because Jesus died for you and me. Don Carson, a theologian and author, said this. He said, do you wish to see God's love? Look at the cross. Do you wish to see God's wrath? Look at the cross. You see, the cross is where all of this converges. The praise and the persecution, the love, the wrath, it converges upon the cross. So why is it Good Friday?" Listen, it's the worst Friday ever in history in some ways. And that's why we grieve it. That's why it's sad. But it's also the best Friday known to man because Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, died for sinful man. And so we embrace all of that. We look at all of that tonight. And we're going to do that in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. If you have a Bible, you can open it. If not, you can just look on the screen I'm going to read this to you. It's a big chunk, just so you know off the top. It's a big chunk, lots of truth. We could do a whole series just on this passage. We're, going to just, we're just going to look at three words and hone in on them and what they mean for us. We're going to see three results of this collision on the cross. And so I want you to look at this with me. Verse 21 is where we'll start. It says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, a ton there, but I want you to hone in on three words with me. The first one is this justification. You see that in verses 23 through 24a. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace. As a gift. This is the first result of this collision that takes place at the cross is that you and I, when we believe in Jesus, we are justified before God. And I want you to pay attention to those first two words for all. For all that what this verse and what these verses are talking about applies to everyone in the world. It applies to everyone in this room. Listen, no matter what your education is, no matter what your financial status is, no matter what your church background is, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we all walk in here in the same boat in need. That there's a bar set high of God's glory, that, that he demonstrates his perfection all the way through his love, all the way through his generosity, all the way through everything he does in creation for us. That's God's glory. He puts it on display. And what we do is we look at that glory and we say, God, I think we have a better way. And we go the other way. And we turn away from God's glory. And we go our own way, and listen, Romans 3, go back and read it. A huge chunk of Romans 3 talks about that, that no one is righteous, no one seeks God, no, not one. And so we're all in the same playing field here tonight. That all of us are equal in our sin. That's how we show up here. That's our past condition, that's our previous condition without Jesus that all of us are in and we deserve judgment. God is just, and so as he looks at our sin and contrasts that with his glory and perfection, he's just, and so he punishes our sin, and he punishes all of evil. Nothing, you need to know this, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. Nothing will go unpunished. Nothing will go unpaid for in the economy of God. It all gets paid for. Why? Because God's just, because God's holy, because as he looks on evil, he has to punish it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be good. And listen, maybe you've thought about that before. Maybe you struggle with sometimes God's judgment and hell and, and what does that really look like? And you need to know that you wouldn't want it to be any other way. You wouldn't want it to be any other way. That as you look at the things that you have done, as you look at the things you have done to other people, the things that have been done to you, the evil that is done in our world, you flip on the news. You hear things about that go on in our neighborhoods, in this neighborhood, in our backyard, and, and all of us, no matter where you are in life, all of us, I think we look at those things and something wells up inside of us and, and we say, somebody should do something. Right? Have you ever said that? Somebody should do something. You need to know that's your desire for justice. And God executes justice perfectly because He is perfect. No sin goes unpunished. Listen, tonight the good news is somebody did something and it was Jesus, right? The bad news is is that the things people need to be, the the things that need to be done about those, Bad things, that's us, right? The, the people, somebody needs to do something about those people over there, they're not over there, they're in this room, right? And so our sin needs to be punished. And so, this, this word justified is a big word, it's a legal term that signifies acquittal. That if you can picture it, God is the righteous judge, and we're in the courtroom, and all of our sins are laid before that, just like on this cross. And that he looks at us and he has every right to punish us and because he's good and because he is holy he needs to punish evil but instead of judging us he justifies us how does he do that the question we should all be asking right now how does this happen verse 23 tells us it's by his grace as a gift the reason God can instead of judge us He can justify us. It's by his grace as a gift. Grace means we get what we don't deserve. And we get what we don't deserve because of the cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us that. It says, he made him, that's God the Father, made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might in him become the righteousness of God. So you see, in that courtroom, God still punishes sin. He just puts the perfect son in the place of sin and he punishes him on your behalf. And so instead of being judged, you're justified. That the sinless son of God dies for sinful man in our place and we are justified. We are made right. That because of Jesus, there is a great exchange You see, Jesus doesn't just take away our sin. He does that, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just take away our guilt. He doesn't just remove our debt. He grants us his righteousness. So he takes away the ugliness of our sin, but he also grants us the beauty of his righteousness. That's why it's a great exchange that we're standing before a righteous judge deserving of punishment for eternity, Jesus steps in and says, I am taking all of that upon myself. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, you're justified before him. And no longer does he see you, but he instead sees Jesus. So tonight, he doesn't see all of these sins. When he looks at you, if you've placed your faith in him, he sees the sinless son of God. That's justification. That's been done for you if you know him. You have been made right before God. That you leave that courtroom, that you leave tonight as a follower of Jesus, that you leave this room tonight knowing that you have been declared righteous, made right before God. Listen, that is an amazing truth an amazing result of this collision that we have on the cross, but it's just one. The second one is this, redemption. Redemption, that we are set free. The second part of verse 23 says this, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That to be redeemed means you are bought out of sin, that your freedom is purchased on your behalf. That it's rooted in the story of the Israelites, the Israelites in the Old Testament that are in bondage, enslaved, for hundreds of years and they are unable to break free from that enslavement without a provision of God. Listen, we're in the same boat today, that we're enslaved to our sin and we are unable to break free without a provision of God. We can't do it ourselves. But that doesn't mean we don't try, right? Doesn't mean we don't try. Like, how many days are you mustering up energy and white-knuckling it and trying to earn God's approval and trying to earn your own freedom and purchase it yourself? We do it all the time. Listen, that's why when you go to Barnes & Noble, the largest section is the self-help books, right? It always is. That's why Oprah, I don't know if she has a show anymore, but she's still buying people schools, right? You get a school. You get a school. I mean, she's like always trying to set us free. We try to set ourselves free. And listen, you need to know we can't. Just like the Israelites were in bondage without a provision from God, we are in bondage. We are in shackles over our sin. And only God can set us free through his provision. That's redemption. And that's what he's accomplished on the cross and what it says in verse 23 is the way this happens is in Christ himself as the song says he pays our ransom by his wounds right so Jesus doesn't stay far off and give us some precepts some values some priorities to follow he steps into the mess he gets wounds on his hands As he pays for our sin to set us free from it as he redeems us. I was thinking about this two days ago. My my kids were in the kitchen, all three of them. And I walked in expecting them to be up to no good. But instead, they were washing the dishes. Jesus is alive. Amen. Right? That doesn't normally happen around my house. We just got this new chore chart. And they are just blitzed over this thing. It's the greatest thing ever. And they find things on the chore chart to do. And so they just, if they need some more stars so they can get their smoothie, that's their gift. If they need some more stars, they'll just go on it and look and be like, do the dishes. Let's do that, right? And so I walk in the kitchen, expect them to be up to no good. They're washing the dishes. And so I say, guys, what are you doing? And my oldest daughter says, Daddy, we're washing the dishes. And I said, okay, that's fantastic. You left some over there. And she said, oh, we're only doing half. And she said, they're really dirty, so we're only doing half. And, and you could see her, she was sticking her hands in there, and the water was kind of brown, and she, you know, it's dirt, you're wiping off the plates, and, and she's like, ooh, gross. And as I thought about that, I, I thought about us, right, that we're, we're like that. We, we like to wash maybe half the dishes, we like to just hit the surface of our sin and our dirtiness, but we don't like to really enter into the mess, do we? We talked about this last week. We don't like to name sin, what scripture names it. That's uncomfortable for us. Maybe even somebody else in your life comes up to you and they're telling you about an awful thing that happened to them or even just sin that they've committed and you, you're just like, hey man, I'll pray for you. And we just watch half the dishes, right? Like, I don't wanna step into that. That's a little too messy. It's a little bit too filthy for me. Like, I don't wanna get my hands dirty. And so we just look at the surface I do this when the news comes on. My wife and I will be watching a show, and then right after, the little preview for the news comes on, and I immediately turn it off. And my wife gets so frustrated because, like, we're older, and we should watch the news and be informed on society, right? And I'm just like, I don't want to watch that stuff. Like, I don't want to see all the pain and wickedness in the world. I don't want to see it, right? And so we do that with the news of things that are far away. We do that with close friends. We do that with our own sin. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to get near it. Maybe we'll look at it for a little while, and then it gets too hard, and so we turn on the radio. We we do flip on the TV. We do turn on some music because we hope it just numbs the pain of our sin and numbs the filthiness of it. Listen, one of the reasons why Good Friday is so, so Good is because Jesus doesn't stay far off to redeem us from our sin. He comes near, He steps into human history, He puts flesh on, He goes to the cross, and by His wounds, we are healed. He pays our ransom through His wounds. He takes all the sin upon Himself, He enters into it more than ever in history to take it upon Himself. So that he can set us free and redeem us from it. It's a good Friday because of that. That we don't have to wash all the dishes and figure it all out and get it all dirty and and save ourselves and free ourselves from it. We can look at the cross and see the finished work of Jesus that he has stepped in in our place for it. And he has redeemed it. Listen, that means tonight that you're not enslaved to your sin anymore. You may think you are, you may feel like you are, but you're not. How do I know? It's not because you did a bunch of things and you got yourself out of it. No, that doesn't work. It's because Jesus stepped into all of it and redeemed it. He set you free, not just from the penalty of sin, but the power of it. That's why it's Good Friday, and that's what happens at the collision of the cross. The last thing that happens is propitiation. That God's wrath is satisfied. We see that in Romans 3.25, the first part of that verse. It says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That propitiation, these are all big words, but what it means is to satisfy God's God's wrath and to turn it into favor. That second part is a really big deal. It doesn't just satisfy his wrath and he's indifferent to us. It doesn't just satisfy his wrath, and he's like, well, you go over here, don't screw this thing up, and just, I'm going to put up with you. No, he satisfies his wrath, and he exchanges it for favor. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you have seen this collision of the cross take place in your own life, this is the last result for you. Propitiation, satisfaction of God's wrath turned into favor. Again, the question we need to ask with that is, how does that happen, right? Right? All the sins that you've committed, past, present, and future. All the sins that you've even forgotten about. All the sins that you want to forget about. How does God and his wrath pay for all of that and satisfy all of that on the cross? Well, you need to know about the crucifixion. The crucifixion in this day was torturing a person to death. And it wasn't done in secret, it was done in public. It was done up on a hill where everybody could see it. It was done in a torturous way where blood and body fluids would be spilled out all over the place and you could smell it. You could see it, you could smell it, and it would often go on for hours and even days. That's the crucifixion. That's what Jesus experienced. A Roman philosopher and lawyer named Cicero, this is really interesting, he advocated for removal of the cross during this time. He said to bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To kill him is almost an act of murder. To crucify him is what? There is no fitting word that can possibly describe so horrible a deed. What he's saying there is that the crucifixion should leave us speechless. That we can't even fathom the cruelty of that, the torture of that, the pain of that. And that's what Jesus endured. And listen, that's how God could take all of his wrath and it be satisfied through Jesus because of the cross, because he's perfect, because he took our place and all of his sin, all of our sin came upon him. That video quoted a lot of scripture. Uh, one of the visuals I think is really helpful. I don't know if you saw that was when the dark cloud all falls on Jesus. And it says in that moment, it quotes Isaiah that Our iniquity, all of it fell upon him. And then I don't know if you noticed, but right next to him, there's people holding out their hands. There's people right next to that, but it only fell on Jesus. That's a picture of propitiation, that all of God's wrath has been satisfied and that happens because of the cross of Christ. It's a day where love and justice collide. You need to know as we look at that tonight, as we do consider that truth, that this is something that should take a weight off our shoulders. Like, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what's been done to you or what you've done, even this week. I I don't know those things. But I do know that life is messy, and I do know that life is dirty, and I do know that despite the fact even if we know Jesus, we still sin. And there's pain associated with that. You need to know we take a few moments right now To realize that instead of wrath, hell, torment, we enjoy forgiveness, life, salvation, breath, friendship, community. That because of what happened on the cross and this collision, we enjoy all of that. And we can rest in that tonight. You can rest in that tonight as you reflect. But listen, you have to step into it. You have to consider it. You have to receive it. And that's our response. You need to know as we look at love and justice colliding, that we need to remember it and we need to receive it. That some of you are here tonight, and maybe you've acknowledged this. Maybe you've taken a glance at it. Maybe you've heard about the cross, but you've never received it. You need to know in all kindness and all love, you shouldn't be restful right now. You should be fearful. Because God doesn't let sin go unpunished, and he will punish it for eternity for those who never placed their faith in him. Why? Because you were never covered by his blood. You have to receive it. Romans 3, 25, at the end of that verse, it says, By the propitiation of his blood, set forward as a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. How do we get all this? How are we made right? How are we set free? How is God's wrath satisfied? We receive it by faith. You believe in Jesus, that he did die in your place for your sin. You tell him that, that he rose again victorious over sin, death, and the grave, and you receive this. And So listen, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to be fearful. You can receive the love and justice of Christ in your life tonight. You can stop listening to me and start talking to Jesus and tell him, Jesus, I believe in you. And you can have that conversation with God, and then you can experience that rest. And then you can remember, I'm made right. I'm set free. God's wrath is satisfied. That's why it's Good Friday, and you can celebrate that with us. And that's the next response. We're going to do this in a couple days. We're going to rejoice and proclaim. We're going to rejoice and proclaim that this is what God has done for us. One of the ways we're going to do that is baptism. We're going to celebrate as we go into the water and come out of the water the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all that Jesus has accomplished that we talked about in these verses. If you have received by faith Jesus, that's your next step, to publicly declare that before your friends and family To let them know, hey, this is what I believe as you come out of the water. This is what I want you to believe. This is what you need to believe because without it, you are going for punishment in hell. And I don't want you to go there. I love you too much to let you go there. When we celebrate baptism, it's about the person getting baptized. And it's about everybody else in the room who doesn't know Jesus yet. It's a visual, an external one of what's happened internally in our hearts. And so, Sunday, we're going to rejoice with a couple people. We're going to proclaim that. Listen, it's not too late for you. If you've never been baptized, if you trusted in Christ right now, if you've trusted in Christ before in your life, we want to celebrate this with you. We want to rejoice and proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's how we do it. We're going to do it in a lot of other ways on Sunday. We're going to sing songs, we're going to have an egg hunt, we're going to have a photo booth, we're going to celebrate in lots of ways. We're going to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the event that split history into two. And so, listen, I know you know that's coming. I know that's coming. Sundays are coming, right? It's Friday, but Sundays are coming. I know that. You know that. But, listen, what I want to do in the rest of our time together is just not get to Sunday too fast and stop and reflect on Friday. The way we're going to do that is taking communion. If you're with us and you believe in Jesus, you have received by faith his truth for your life, then what we're gonna invite you to do in a few moments is to take a few moments to consider this truth, to remember it, and then you're gonna come down and you're gonna take the bread and dip it in juice or the wine. We won't dismiss you, you'll come down as you feel led. And that bread represents something really significant. It represents the broken body of Jesus on the cross for your sin. That juice or wine that you dip it into It represents the shed blood of Jesus for your sin. That when you dip it and you partake of it, you are remembering, you are proclaiming that the only way that you are made right, set free, and God's wrath is satisfied is through the blood of Jesus. And so we're going to take a few minutes, minutes to reflect on that and to partake in communion together. If you don't know Jesus, we would just ask that you, you not take it and you stay right where you are and you pray and you talk to Jesus and you receive him by faith tonight that we could rejoice and proclaim him together on Sunday. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that this is the worst day in history because Jesus was killed, but it's also the best day in history because Jesus died for us. And we get to see that we are made right, set free, and that your wrath is satisfied. God, I pray in these next few moments as we just sit in silence, as we prepare to take communion, as we walk up and take the bread and dip it in the juice or the wine, I pray that we would reflect, that we would remember, that we would rejoice, we would proclaim on Sunday that we know you rose again. But before we get to the glory of the resurrection, that we would Reflect on the grief of death. God, thank you for the death of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died in my place for my sin. I thank you that he died in the place of so many men and women in this room. And God, I pray for those who who haven't experienced that, who haven't experienced that love and forgiveness. I pray that tonight they would that all the excuses and all the, but I don't really understand this yet, and that they would talk to somebody before they, they leave, that it's the most important decision they'll ever make in their whole life because it affects their eternal life. So, God, we just want to sit in this moment. I, I want to sit in this moment and pray to you and remember and reflect. And, and, God, we just ask that you move, that your spirit would move. I pray uh, that it would do that tonight as we reflect and take communion together. It's in the name of Jesus I pray that. Amen.